I don't know if my voice will hold out because I was enjoying the singing and singing out without a mask. <laughs> and uh, I just enjoyed it very much, singing praise to God. While the, the sheets are being given out, if you can turn to Haggai chapter 2. Now we saw last week Haggai in the clean part of our Bibles. It's the third book from the end of the Old Testament. Okay, you have Malachi, working backwards, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai. We need to say that because it's a very small book. It's hard when you're flicking through to find it. Um, I forgot to get the number of the page if you're using the book. And maybe someone could shout out the number of the page. 948 uh, if you're using the chair Bibles there. God's going to speak to us this morning. So let's come to him and ask for his help and the help of God's spirit to hear his voice. Father, we are before you this morning, waiting to hear. We pray, Father, that your spirit will speak through your word today to each of us. Give help as we share that. And give help as we open our hearts, not only to hear, but to accept your word. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you very much for the, giving the sheets out. You'll remember very quickly uh, from last week, we were in Haggai chapter 1. And the Lord had a word for his people there. Um, there's people who had come out of Babylon, who had come to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. And we were very conscious that God was speaking to us too. The word that he had to his people in that day, we're talking of two and a half thousand years ago. He said, my house remains in ruins while each of you is busy with his own house. For 14 years, his temple had been left for the weeds to go around the foundations. That's as far as they had got before it had all stopped. But it wasn't that they weren't busy. They were busy, but they were busy in their own lives, in their own homes. But as God spoke to them, in, uh, as we have it in Haggai chapter 1, we read those wonderful words that they obeyed the voice of God. That they obeyed the message of God. And that they feared him. They feared God. And how quickly God was there to encourage them. As they started the work. You will notice as we come to chapter 2 in Haggai. Notice the dates. Um, it's, I, I like it, this book because it gives us specific dates. And you'll notice from the last verse of chapter 1. It says, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. That's when they began or re-began the work on the temple. The 24th day of the sixth month. And as we come to chapter 2, and we're going to read the first nine verses, you'll notice it says, on the 21st day of the seventh month. Seventh month. So we're talking less than a month later. I'm not very good with the Jewish calendar, but I presume about four weeks later. God is coming to speak to them again. Now, God's coming to speak to us 
here today again, following up on what he had said in chapter 1. We're only one week later. This was four weeks later as God spoke. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. They were building a physical temple. They were building it and they started on that 24th day of the sixth month. They started with heavy stones. We can re- you can read about it in Ezra. Heavy stones, wood in the walls. We read there how they were diligent in it and they were progressing in the work. It was exciting days. They were started again. God had spoken. They were obeying. They feared the Lord and the building started to go up again. Exciting days. And yet, just four weeks later, I was going to say God sensed that things weren't going quite as well. Well, God doesn't need to sense. God knows. God knew that there were things that were discouraging them. This temple wasn't going to be anything like Solomon's temple. that they, Some of them maybe remembered although they probably forgot that they had desecrated that, that temple. They probably forgot how they had had little regard for it and all its wonder how the Shekinah glory of the Lord had even left that temple. But no, this was not going to be anything like it. And as they were building, they, there was probably discouragement there. There was also the thought, well, we have to look after our own lives as well, our own houses. Can we do them both? And yet at the same time, as soon as they started, along comes the the governor of the whole area, the Persian governor, the one that had been appointed by King Darius back in Babylon. Tatanai had come and starting to ask questions. Is it just going to be like what it had been 14 years before? The discouragement, the the persecution, that, that eventually was one of the reasons why the temple had stopped. Here, Tatanai was coming and asking, what are you doing? Who's giving you permission? What's happening here? Discouragement, 
weakness, those heavy stones, fear. I wonder if last week you heard God's voice and you sought to obey. You heard the message from God and you decided, I'm going to obey this message. You feared God. and You came before him. You acknowledge that you needed to start building, rebuilding that temple that is our own lives, our own bodies. The temple in which God the Holy Spirit lives. Do you not know your body is a temple of God the Holy Spirit who is in you, who God has given to you? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The voice of God came to each of us last week. And I say that very personally as well. Will we honor God in our lives? Will we please him? Are we building the temple of God that is our lives for his pleasure and his honor? Maybe you obeyed as those people did. But maybe for them it was four weeks. Maybe within this past week, things have got more difficult. Maybe things haven't worked out. Maybe you expected that, oh, as soon as you started, restarted in this, living your life for the pleasure and honor of God, everything would just go well and it would be exciting. And, and this was a new stage in your life. And yet, the struggles are still there. It's been hard. And the voice of God would come again to us. Just as he asked those people, how does it look to you now? You started in obedience, but how does it look to you now? I have no doubt, taking the words of God, that these people were discouraged. They felt their weakness. They felt fear. Because we get these three words or three phrases, little phrases, in God's word, it says, be strong. They were feeling weak. I can't do this. It's not, <laughs> the stones were heavy. Living for God hasn't been such a, the joy that I expected. Work, he said to them. Well, we have other things to do as well. It's not just my life can't be just about living for the pleasure and honor of God. There's other things in my life as well. And do not fear. What's Tatanai going to do? He's going to write to the king. What's he going to do? How does it look to you now, God would say to us? And maybe to Maybe it's only some here that God is speaking. The ones who said last week, who said, yes, I will obey. Be strong. Persevere. Oh, some of the words that God uses in the New Testament for us as we seek to live for him. Be faithful. Persevere. These are things that are important for God in our lives. That he sees the faithfulness in the person. That we keep going. 
Don't give up. Don't just throw it all away. The writer to the Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Keep going. Maybe it hasn't been easy in this past week as you have sought to realign your life in obedience to God to live for his honor and his pleasure. God would say, keep going, be strong. Strive. I suppose that's, that's the word I put in there. With, with vigor, with effort. This is not something that's just going to happen. That building wasn't going to just go up with a little bit uh, of by and by as, as, as they were doing the same things in their own lives, their own homes. It needed that effort. And it needs that effort in our lives. Paul writing to the church in Philippi, you will remember well those words. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God told work. Not only keep at it, but work, put every effort into this. Strive for it. And do not fear. Trust me, God would say. Remember last week he said, I'm with you. He's not leaving us on our own as we seek that our bodies, our lives, are temples that are being built for his honor and pleasure. He's with us in it. Trust me, he said. Do not fear. You know, as Tat and I came to those people and was asking these questions, why are you doing this? Who gave you permission? What's happening? Give me the names of the people involved. You know, the leaders of God's people, those leaders that are named and, and other elders as well, said, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. Boldly, our trust is in God. As the persecution would come, as the, as the struggles would come, no, our trust is in God. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth. And you know, Tadanai, when he wrote that letter to the king, he wrote these words in the midst of that letter. The eye of their God was on them. He noticed. He noticed these people. Yes, he was still trying to find out whether they should be continuing or not, but he noticed the eye of their God was upon them. Do not fear, trust. The eye of our God is upon us. As we seek to build that temple, of our lives for his glory, for his honor, to please him. The eye of our God is on us. 
the psalmist. Let's see if I can find that in, in Psalm 56. Let me just read to you these words that the psalmist wrote. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What will man do? can man do to me? I am under vows to you, O God. I will present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. So God came to these people and he comes to us this morning. Last week it was a word of challenge. Are you rebuilding my house? Why have you stopped? This week he comes to encourage be strong. Work. Don't fear. One of the things I love about God and his word is that when God, uh, he does give us many commands or instructions. He expects a lot of us in our lives. But always in his word, where he gives those instructions to us, those commands to us, he always gives the encouragements beside them. You'll note, notice that, please. God's not the one who comes and says, just do it because I told you so. He could. He's the God of heaven and earth. And we should be able to obey him just because he told us so. But I love the way God always comes to encourage us. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. He knows his struggles. His eye is on us. And just as he came last week and said, I am with you, again he comes to them with a word now to encourage them as they were maybe discouraged or fearful or weak. Three things again, I notice. He tells them to remember the past. He tells them to be aware of the present. And he tells them to look forward to the future. He says, in the past, I covenanted with you. I promised you. <laughs> it's interesting, he's talking there in verse 5. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So it wasn't actually these people that came out of Egypt. That had happened a thousand years before. But they knew. They knew it all. They knew that the events that had happened a thousand years before, how God had brought them out and covenanted with them. You will be my people, my treasured possession. Just remember that. I keep my promises. I'm a God who keeps his, his promises. Uh, Joshua, and I've, I've read this often and I love it, at the end of his life, Joshua speaking to the people of God. Let me just get the right words, if I can find the. In Joshua 23, he says, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. You know with all your heart and soul, not one of his promises has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. He's a God of promise. And those promises, we can count on them. And he reminded the people, you're my people, you're my treasured possession. 
as you work on this temple. And then he reminded them again. Did you notice again? Why do we need to be reminded always as well? I am with you. He said that in chapter 1. I am with you. And he's saying it again today. I am with you. And we, brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded. God is with us. How we love that verse, but we need to keep remembering it from Hebrews. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And therefore, we can trust him. He's our helper. I am with you, God says. Right now, today. Not just in the past, but today. Not just for the future, but today. Day by day, as you seek to build this temple for my pleasure and for my honor, as you seek to build your lives for me and live your lives for me, I am with you. What a God we have. And then he talks of the future. From verse 6. Let me read again what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Talking, taking their eyes to the future now. Now, if there's theologians here and you're expecting me to explain exactly what these verses are saying, I'm sorry, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, many people have all sorts of different... Which house is this? What, what's he talking about when, he's, when he says, uh, I will fill this house with glory? Well, I'm going to go past the house that they were building. I'm going to go past the coming of the Lord Jesus, taking on the human body as a temple, God dwelling in the man's body. I'm going to take you past that temple that he walked in the courtyards of. I'm going to take you past the temple that, that is our bodies in which God the Holy Spirit lives. And the temple that is a church that has been built as a dwelling place for God here today. I'm going to take you past the temple talked about in Revelation for the millennial kingdom. I'll leave that to the theologians. Even past what Hebrews talks about, that all these temples, they're just copies of the true temple, which is in heaven. The true temple where Christ entered with his blood. As a sacrifice, he brought that blood in to satisfy a holy God for our sin. Into the true tabernacle, the true temple in heaven. Which one of those is where the glory is? that's going to be greater than even the glory 
that was in Solomon's temple. I'm going to take you to Revelation 21, the end of time, where we're continuing in eternity with God in heaven. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23. Here's John. He got a vision. He was shown in heaven. And he writes this in verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it, gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Our eyes focused, taken further, and I believe God would ask us, look further. John didn't say there's no temple there. He said, I didn't see a temple. I presume he was looking for a building or something that looked like a temple. No, but there was a temple there. No longer does God need to dwell inside a building or inside our lives or inside the church. Now he walks and dwells with his people and he himself is a temple. I love those words. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the glory of God gives it light. Oh, brothers and sisters, isn't that something to take our eyes? Isn't that something that these people could have put their eyes towards? Isn't it something that we today can keep our eyes on? God would encourage us today. Yes, there are struggles as you seek to live for him. Yes, there's persecution as you seek to live for him. Yes, as you seek to bring him honor and pleasure. It's not all roses and not all happening easily. But he says, keep going, be strong, work, do not fear. Remember my promises? I don't feel any of them. Those promises that your sins are forgiven. Those promises that you've been made holy through the blood of Christ. Those promises of eternal life, a home in heaven, Christ coming back to take us with him. Those promises of be belonging to his family, being born into his family and able to call him father. Remember those promises. Hold on to them as you seek to live to bring pleasure and honor to God. Remember, I'm with you in this. I haven't left you alone in it. I'm with you in this. Keep your eyes on the future, on eternity. We read many times in Scripture how this life can be difficult as we are obedient to God. And we're not talking just about life can be difficult. As we seek to live for God, there are struggles. There's discouragements. But as we hear God telling us to be strong and to work and not to fear, God tells us many times in Scripture, through Paul in Romans 8, 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You think it's hard? You're struggling as you live for God? As you're standing firm for him? It's not worth comparing. If you could only see what's up ahead. Peter was another one who who could see up ahead. He writes in his letter, Rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So he's saying have joy now, even in the midst of the the, the struggle, the work that's going on in your life as you're living for him. Have joy in that now because you're going to be overjoyed when you are there in glory, when his glory is revealed. Peter writes, I am the one, I am one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Just this morning I got another one from Peter. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power the glory. Keep your eyes on the future. The promises of the past, the awareness of his present help with us, his presence with us, and the future of the glory that is ours in Christ. I've written those verses from 2 Corinthians 4 on your sheets. Let's read them. We do not lose heart. Our light and momentary troubles. I wonder if you've ever thought of them as light and momentary. Sometimes they seem to go on a long time. Sometimes they seem heavy. He goes on to say, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs far outweighs them all. Oh, brothers and sisters, if we could even get a grasp of a little bit of the glory that is ahead of us, it will help us as we seek to live for him today, putting him as number one, putting him as our our God who lives in us, that we might live for his pleasure and to honor him in every aspect of our lives. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, for that what is seen is temporary. Yes, our work, our leisure, our family, our health, our whatever it is that takes up so much of our lives, they're temporary. We fix our eyes on what on what is unseen. What is unseen is eternal. Oh, that as God would speak to us today, that we would hear his encouragement to build for his pleasure and honor. That we would keep ahead of us or in our hearts and in our thoughts 
the glory that lies ahead for us for all eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you very much just for your encouragement this morning. There have been some here, Father, who are seeking to obey you, your, obey your voice, obey your message, and seeking to put the building of the temple in which you live as a priority in their lives. And it hasn't been easy. Thank you for this word that you've brought not only to the people there in Jerusalem that day so long ago, but to us this morning. Thank you that you are our God. Thank you for the glory that we will see, that will be, we will be revealed in us, the glory of Christ that we will be amongst, and that glory that will light up heaven. Thank you. Continue with us as we seek to live for you and for that glory. In Jesus' precious name.